Happy Friday, Story Fam. I hope you had a great week so far. I hope you're staying warm wherever you are. It's cold in Houston, which means it must be extremely cold everywhere else. <laughs> so I hope y'all are staying uh, toasty and safe as the weather turns wintry. It's been a great week at the story. We had a lot of baptisms on Sunday, and we welcomed a new baby into our community. That's right. Drew Fletcher Kenshin, son of Kale and Kim Kenshin, is has, uh, is born and, and healthy and, and happy and whole, and they're all at home now, and the Kenshin family uh, is has added a new a new little little brother. So we are so happy for them. Congratulations to the Kenshin crew. We love you all so much. Now, before I get to this week's reflection, I just want to thank you for your support of my new book, Scripture and a Skeptic. If you already have your copy, I I. I want to say thank you for getting one, and I uh, hope you're enjoying it. If you haven't picked yours up yet, there are plenty. <laughs> there are plenty to pick up. They're available on Amazon, uh, on my personal website, erichuffman.org, or wherever books are sold, you can find Scripture and the Skeptic. I, I would love it if y'all would go to Amazon and leave a five-star rating or review on Amazon. That is the best, most effective way to get Scripture and the Skeptic in front of people. In this world, the age of Amazon, <laughs> they're running everything. So y'all can help us with that algorithm of theirs by leaving that review um, on Amazon. So thank you so much, friends. Let's get to this week's reflection now. When it comes to the Bible, there seems to be this massive gap between what people think the Bible says and what it actually says. Maybe you've noticed. People seem to think the Bible says that good people get to go to heaven while bad people have to go to hell. That's Basic boilerplate Christianity in most people's view. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says there are no good people and bad people. Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the only way out of our mess is by putting our faith in God's goodness instead of our own human goodness. So there's a disconnect there. People seem to think, uh, another example is that people seem to think that God and the Bible can't wait to punish sinners like God is just chomping at the bit to cast sinners, those non-Christian heathens, into hell for all eternity for not being Christians. People seem to think that's what the Bible says, but the Bible is clear that God actually wants everyone to be saved, 1 Timothy 2, 4, and that the only people who end up in hell will be those who condemn themselves, 1 Timothy five twelve. So people seem to think, another one is that uh, the Bible manipulates people or capitalizes on believers' wishful thinking by promising them all kinds of great things in this life, riches and happiness and all this stuff. But the Bible actually promises believers that they will suffer for their beliefs in Jesus. People seem to think the Bible is like this no-fun zone, right, that outlaws drinking and outlaws sex and other kinds of fun things people like to do. But have we forgotten that the God's first, that God's first command to human beings in the Bible was to make lots of love and make lots of babies? And that it was Jesus who turned the water into wine and not wine into water in John chapter 2? We've so clearly lost the big plot of Scripture that sometimes I think we need a reset button. We need a reminder that the Bible story is really about something so much better. It's really a story about God. God is the main character, not us. We exist for his glory, not the other way around. The Bible is his story. It's not just ours. And the word story is so key here because the stories we tell are how we've always made sense of things. Everything else about humanity has evolved. We've changed the ways that we live, how we eat, 
how we organize societies, how we worship, how we get married, how we raise children. Everything else has changed. But 20,000 years ago, we told stories to make sense of things. And the same is true today. Without stories, there's no meaning to life. So when Christians say the Bible is holy, we don't just mean that like we'll be offended if you burn the book or you're not allowed to question parts of it. We mean that 66 books, 40 authors, nine genres written in three languages on three continents spanning 1,500 I mean, years tell the master story about God and his intentions for the universe he created. Here's a short version of that story. Here's the first part of it, right? So God made the world very good. In the beginning, God made humans very good. He made you very good and me. He called us to be stewards over the earth. He set us over creation and said, take care of it. He called us to love him, to take care of our neighbors. But time and again, we humans have decided that we should be the protagonists in this story instead of God, that our opinions matter more than God's does, than God's do. And, and the the... Choices that we made over time ruptured our relationships with God and with each other. And we began to see God and other people as objects to use instead of neighbors to love. And the result of that has been a world that's increasingly violent, greedy, and selfish. That's the setting that provides the backdrop for the Bible story. We know that every good story needs a clear and compelling conflict, and the conflict in the Bible um, really derives from its setting. It's wrapped up in God's response to our failures in this fallen world. On the one hand, if God is really God, then he must be just. Justice must be done for the wrongdoing that we've committed. Humans must be punished for all the harm we've done and all the ways we've taken God's good gifts for granted. So if God is just, there must be hell to pay for what we've done. And so, on the other hand, if God is really God, we would expect him to be merciful. Not just just, but merciful. A good God would be a merciful God who would understand the frailty of our hearts and would forgive us, even when we don't deserve it. He would release us from our sins and tell us that he loves us like a loving father would with his children. Now, you can feel the tension between the just God and a merciful God building throughout the Old Testament as the people's sins add up and as the drama unfolds. And there's this enemy, Satan, who appears to be winning in the Old Testament. Satan appears to leave God with no good options. Because however God chose to respond in that, in that setting, in that tension, he would be playing right into the enemy's hand. If God gave people what we deserved, we would all be toast, and heaven would be empty, and a merciless God would be a lonely one. But on the other hand, if God chose to overlook all of our sins and just pretend like it never happened, if he just became a doormat to us, he would not be just. And we would live out the rest of our days trying to find new ways to walk all over him. An unjust God is no God at all. And so the darkness appeared to have won. Checkmate. Just when all seemed lost, however, the dramatic tension between God's wrath and his love reached its apex in Galilee, where a 30-something construction worker began to tell the world that God wasn't finished yet. And one day this man was preaching a sermon in the temple when he was interrupted by a violent commotion from the back of the room. Some of the priests and Pharisees had caught a woman sleeping around on her husband, and so they dragged her, kicking and screaming, into the temple. And then they threw her down at Jesus' feet. They looked at Jesus, pointed at the woman, and said, You know what the Word says. You know the Bible says we should stone a woman like this. But what do you say, Jesus? We'll do whatever you say. It's the entire saga 
of Scripture in one little scene in John chapter 8. This is the whole story of the Old Testament, really, in one little window. If Jesus was really just, that woman who did that horrible thing must be punished according to the Word of God. The Pharisees were ready to stone her to death at Jesus' command. They wanted him to tell them to stone her because at that point, Jesus would have been one of them. All wrath, no mercy. All justice, no love. But on the other hand, had he become one of them, he would have been seen by the crowds as just another merciless judge of the people. And so if he's legitimate, he must be merciful. And if Jesus was merciful toward this woman, he would let her off the hook. He wouldn't bring the house down on her because everybody makes mistakes. But then if he did, the Pharisees could have accused Jesus of ignoring the Bible and shunning the holiness of God. So if Jesus had said, stone her, Satan would have won. On the other hand, if Jesus had said, you know, she was just, she messed up. So what? Satan would have won. Checkmate. Right? Not quite. Not with Jesus. Because Jesus is full of grace and truth, love and wrath, justice and mercy, he refused to fall for the two-way trap. He acknowledged her sin without crushing her. He acknowledged God's holiness without throwing a single stone. To the room full of men holding stones in their hands, he said, let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Whichever one of you has never made a mistake, you go first. These men had seen justice before, and they had seen mercy. But never before Jesus had they seen equal parts justice and mercy like they saw that day. One by one, they dropped their stones and walked away in silence. Then, full of mercy, Jesus asked the woman, Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. Then neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. That's not all he said. Because Jesus is both merciful and just, he also said, Now, go and leave your life of sin. He called her out without crushing her. He set her free without excusing her. Justice. Mercy. Checkmate. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus brings both grace and truth, both mercy and justice, both love and and wrath. And that is what the Bible really says. That's all for today, guys. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Sunday morning, either in person at one of our two in-person campuses or online at thestory.church. Bye, everybody.